I want you to take your Bible, your whatever you read on, and today we're going to be in two separate passages. And so uh, let me tell you what those passages are. The first one is Matthew chapter 5. We've been in this passage for the last uh, couple of weeks, and we're going to be in this passage for the next few weeks. So Matthew chapter 5 is the first one. The second one is Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Now, I recognize that finding these two may be a little difficult, and so some hints, here's some clues on how to locate Matthew and Romans. Uh, if you're in a physical Bible, just open up to the table of contents. Uh, both of these books are located in the big section called the New Testament. Uh, so find the New Testament. Matthew's the first book of the New Testament, so, so locate that one. And then Romans is the sixth book in the New Testament, so locate that one. So Matthew 5, Romans 12. Now, if you're in an app, pull down the You'll find Matthew and Romans, uh, they're both around two-thirds of the way down that list. So Romans 5, or, or Matthew, Romans 12. Now, growing up, I, I've testimony many times, but growing up, I didn't grow up in a Christian home. A great home, don't misunderstand me. I loved my home growing up. I had great they simply weren't followers of Jesus. We never went to church. It wasn't part of our lifestyle. It wasn't part of anything we ever discussed. But in like seventh grade, one of school, Jeremy, invited me to go to youth group. And, and so I started going. Absolutely loved going to church. Now, there's a key element to this that I want to talk about today. I would not have been able to go to church had it not been for Jeremy's parents. Jeremy invited me, but we were in middle school. We didn't have our own cars. We didn't have a means by which to get to church. And just FYI, my house was located on the other side of town from the church and from Jeremy's house. And Jeremy's parents were a key a group. They were pivotal in my connecting with the church. You see, Jeremy's parents served me and Jeremy in a Christian way. Jeremy had the freedom to invite me to attend church because he knew that his parents would make sure to come and pick me up and drop me off anytime I wanted to go to church. I guarantee you, I could have reached out to Jeremy's parents whether Jeremy went to church that day or not, and they would have come and picked me up and made sure that I was at church, even though it meant driving across town to pick me up and then back across town to drop me off at church and then a back across town again to take me home and then back across town to go to their home. You see, Jeremy's mom and dad loved the Lord so much that they were more than willing to sacrifice time and gas and, and uh, all of the things that they did. They sacrificed I could go to church. And that's not even the beginning of the ways that they served in that church. They served in the student ministry. Uh, I, I remember Jeremy's dad was a deacon and loved on people that were struggling through things. Uh, they did so much serve Jesus. And guys, I'll be honest, they did so much to serve me and to show Jesus' love to me through serving. And that's something I want to talk about today. You see, 
for the last couple of weeks, we've been talking about Jesus's introduction of his most famous uh, message. It's commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapters 5, 6, and 7. Um, and that Sermon on the Mount begins with this very famous introduction called the Beatitudes. It's a series of, uh, uh, of statements that Jesus makes, blessed are these, and blessed are these. And he explains why each one of those are blessed. And so let's take a moment, let's read that introduction. Matthew chapter 5, beginning in verse 3. Matthew 5, verse 3. Jesus gives this, this list of beatitudes, and he says this, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you and utter all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You see, Jesus gives this list of blessed are statements to us. And last week, we studied the first one. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. We talked about how this particular beatitude has a double meaning. We went back and looked in Luke, where Luke also lists a version of the beatitudes and recognized that the double meaning with this beatitude is that first off, this beatitude calls us to live in humility, that being poor in spirit equals humility, that we're supposed to live a humble life, recognizing that we are desperately dependent on God for everything. And then secondly, when we compare Matthew's version of the Beatitudes with Luke's version of the Beatitudes, we recognize that Jesus was also talking to those who were physically or financially poor. And we, we took a moment and we examined the strong warnings that the Bible gives uh, against wealth and the temptation that wealth places on us to trust in wealth instead of trusting in God. Uh, then we, we wrapped last week's by talking about how there's a promise uh, attached, there's a, there's a blessing attached to that statement. It's blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And we talked about how no matter what your current state may be, you are a citizen of God's infinite kingdom for now and for all of eternity. If you are a follower of Jesus, you are a part of his kingdom. You are a citizen. And as a citizen, you receive the inheritance, the benefits of that kingdom. Now, I alluded to, I, I made a brief mention last week also, that we don't actually own anything in this life. That everything we have is a blessing from God. 
Uh, nothing we have is a result of our own abilities, our own gifts, our own uh, career or job. Uh, I mean, guys, the very air that we're breathing right now is a gift from God. Uh, your ability to do your job is a gift from God. Your knowledge, your physical ability to even stand up, your, your bank accounts, your family, your relationships, everything in your life is a blessing from God. Um, I'm about to give you a long list of Bible passages. I don't normally do this, but today I felt it important to just help you understand how emphatically the Bible stresses this, that you don't have anything, that, that everything you have is actually God's and he has blessed you with it. Uh, I'm going to give you a long list of passages that actually say this. And so if you're a note taker, I, I will go slow enough, hopefully, that you can take notes. But if you would like this list of passages, please just uh, reach out to me. Uh, you can do so by calling the office this week um, or reaching out to me uh, via my email. You can find it on our website. Uh, but here goes. These are all passages that speak about God owning everything and that he has made you a steward. He gives all of the blessings you have, they're almost loan to you. And I'll unpack this idea here in just a moment. But here are all these passages. Exodus 19, Deuteronomy 10, Job 41, Psalms 24 and 50, Haggai chapter 2, 1 Timothy chapter 6, James chapter 1, Matthew chapter 25, Ephesians 4, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Peter 4, and many, many others. All of these tell us that God has given us everything that we have. Our life, our money, our resources, our jobs, our talents, our abilities, our spiritual gifts, everything is God's and he gives them or puts them on loan to us because he's wanting to bless us. And we're repeatedly commanded in these passages to use all of those things that he's blessed us with for him and his kingdom. Now, I want you to turn now to that second passage that I told you uh, to look up today, Romans chapter 12. You see, Romans 12 tells us a lot about how we're supposed to live our lives for Jesus. Uh, but it begins by unpacking how we're supposed to be changed and transformed by Jesus. So Romans chapter 12, I want you to turn there. We're going to begin in verse 1 and read through verse 8. So Romans 12, beginning in verse 1, it says this, I appeal to you, therefore, brothers, by the mercies of God, to present your body as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Now stop there for just a second. We are called God to offer all of ourselves up to him for his use, for his service. And this, according to Romans 12:1, that is actually true spiritual worship. You know, just a few minutes ago we we worshiped through song, through music. But Romans 12 tells us that 
Our true act of worship is the way we live sacrificially in service to God, giving our bodies, our life to him for his purposes. That's our true spiritual worship. Basically saying that we can sing all of the spiritual songs we want, but if we're not serving Christ, if we're not actively serving, working for him, then those songs that we're singing are useless. They don't have any real meaning to our lives. Let's continue reading. Verse 2, Romans 12, 2. It says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind, that by testing you may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect. For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. Now stop there for a second. Remember last week we talked about how being poor in spirit equals living in humility. That's what verse 3 just told us, is that we're not to think of ourselves more highly than we ought to think but to think with sober judgment, to, to recognize that God is over us, that he loves us, but he's greater than we are. Now pick up in verse four. For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not have all the same functions. Okay, so, so now Paul, this illustration he's giving this analogy that the church the body of Christ is like a human body that that we exist and each one of us that are in the church body we each have a unique function uh, so verse 5 so we though many are one body in Christ and individually members one of another Verse 6, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts in his exhortation, the one who contributes in generosity, and the one who leads with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy with cheerfulness. And he goes on through the rest of chapter 12 to unpack what a Christian life looks like. Uh, you know, loving and hating evil and doing what's good. And he, he unpacks and defines that for us. If you go into 1 Corinthians 12, Paul uses this same illustration about the church being like a body. He uses it again and he unpacks it even more, talking about how not a single part of your body can look at another part and say, I need you. You know, the, the eye can't tell the foot, I don't need you. You know, how can the eye go around and be able to see if the foot's not there to take it to those places? You know, the finger can't tell the elbow, I don't need you. Because without the elbow, how is the finger going to get and move to the locations that it needs to do its work? You see, the body, all of the parts of the body are necessary to all the other parts of the body. And so the same is true for each one of us. You know, each one of us has been uniquely designed, gifted by God to serve a unique purpose in the body of Christ, in the body of God. 
We are all called to sacrifice serve. Just like Romans 12, 1 says, our true act of worship is serving God with our, our whole being, serving the body of Christ, serving the church. As a matter of fact, uh, our church, First Scottsdale, we have uh, a mission statement that's right here on this wall to lead every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus. And how do we accomplish that? Well, we accomplish it through the four values that we have. Believe, connect, grow, but the last one, serve. You see, as a follower of Christ, if we're going to accomplish the mission of leading every generation to the life-changing hope of Jesus, we have to serve others. We serve God and we serve others in, in our community, in our neighborhood, in our church, with our family, in our, in our workplace. We serve others to lead them to Jesus. Each one of us has been, as I said just a minute ago, we've been uniquely equipped to serve in a specific way within the body of Christ. You know, my giftings are different than your giftings. And that's done on purpose. Because if everybody was equipped the way that I was, if, if God equipped everybody in this church the way he equipped me, then there would be things that wouldn't get done in the church. I've got specific gifts and talents and resources, and you have specific gifts and talents and resources. And God asks us, calls us, commands us to use each one of those gifts and talents and resources for his unique purpose in each of our lives within the church. And, and this leads me to today's big idea. Uh, if you've ever listened to one of my messages, you know that I don't usually give three bullet points or five or whatever. Uh, I like to give one main big idea that I want you to go home and think about. And I love today's big idea. I want you to listen carefully. I want you to write it down. I want you to think on this uh, this week. Meditate on it. Think about what the Bible says about what I'm about to give you. So today's big idea is this. We are not spiritual consumers we are spiritual contributors. We're not spiritual consumers, we're spiritual contributors. You see, you are not made by God to just consume everything that the church has to offer, to, to just consume all the blessings that Jesus has for you. We're also called to go out and serve the church and contribute so that others can be blessed, so that others can grow in Christ, so that others can be connected and come to know Christ. If you are just consuming, then you're not fully engaging and embracing what Jesus has for your life. And so we have to remember, we're not spiritual consumers, we are spiritual contributors. You see, each one of us is a steward of God's gifts that he's given to each of us. And humility helps us understand that. That's why Romans 12 verse 3 speaks about understanding humility and living life in humility. You see, humility helps us recognize that we've got nothing, that we've, we've earned nothing, deserve nothing outside of what God has given us. And 
all that God has given you, you're supposed to in turn go and use those gifts, those talents, those resources to further God's kingdom, to do the work of God's kingdom. Let me put it like this. Uh, Let's say that you were in desperate need of a car. Uh, Your car had broken down and you needed to still get to work so that you could earn the money you needed to fix the car, okay? And so you come to me because you found out that I have an extra vehicle that's sitting in my driveway and I'm not using it right now. And you come to me and you you say, please, I desperately need a vehicle right now. I just need it for this this time frame. Uh, Please, can I borrow your car? And let's say I go to you and I say, you know what? Okay, you can borrow my car. But I have one stipulation. Uh, you know, you come to church on Sunday mornings, and, and I love that you do. You obviously use that car to, to come to church and go to your job and all those things, but there's a person just down the street from you that also wants to come to church on Sunday morning and doesn't have the means to get there. I want you to, because of the blessing that I'm giving you through letting you use my car, I want you to go to this person's house and pick them up. And I'll give you all the resources you need to do this. I want you to go pick them up, bring them to church, and when church is over, take them back home. That's all I ask. I want you to, of course, take care of my car. I don't want you to wreck it. I don't want you to trash it or destroy it. But I want you to do this one thing. I want you to use the, the gifts, talents, and resources that I'm letting you use, my resources, my things, and I want you to bless else by serving them through the body of Christ. Is that too much to ask? Is that an unreasonable demand if you're already coming to church on Sunday and the person lives down the street from you? Is it unreasonable for me to ask if I'm loaning you my car so that you can make the money to fix your own car? Is it unreasonable for me to ask you to go and pick up somebody for church? Of course not. I would hope that you would look at me and with gratitude say, yes, of course I would do that. Not only will I do it, I would love to do that. I would love to help someone connect to Jesus through the resources that you're blessing me with. I would hope that would be the attitude you would have. Because I don't have to loan you my car. I don't have to bless you with the resources that I have, but I choose to bless you, and in turn, I ask you to bless others. That's not an unreasonable request. You see, God blesses you with so many things, and each one of us uniquely is gifted with blessings from God. For some of us, it it may be knowledge, it may be teaching, it may be leadership, it may be time that that you have available. It may be monetary resources uh, or the ability to to give godly, wise advice. I don't know what it is that he's... Maybe the gifting you have is that you just love children. Maybe you're a friendly person and maybe God's asking you to use your friendliness for his church, for his purposes. I don't know what that is, but he's gifted each and every one of us with specific gifts, talents, and resources to use for him. 
in Matthew chapter 25, uh, Jesus tells a parable. Uh, I spoke about parables last week, but a parable is a story that Jesus would tell that has a deeper spiritual meaning to it. And in Matthew 25, he tells this parable uh, about a, a wealthy man, a master, who goes on a trip. And before he leaves, uh, he gives three of his servants uh, large amounts of money. And, and the term, the words that Jesus is, uses is that the sums were based on uh, the ability of each one. And so he gives them these large sums of money and goes on this trip. And when he returns from this trip, he finds that two of his servants have taken the vast amounts of money that the master gave them and they have invested and multiplied that money. But one of them just buried it in his backyard and didn't do anything with it. And the parable tells us, it ends by saying that the two servants that had taken their master's money and invested and used it and served others with it, the master commends them and gives them huge rewards. But the one who did nothing with it, the master condemns that person and casts him out. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to be condemned by God. I don't want to be cast out by God. And so clearly, we must be very uh, careful. We must pay close attention to resources, the gifts, the talents, the resources, the money, the time, the whatever we have, to use those things for God so that instead of God condemning us and casting us out, he commends us and rewards us. You see, God has gifted you. He has gifts and talents and resources to be used for him and his kingdom. So here's the question for the application. How are you using the gifts, talents, and resources that God has gifted you with? What are you doing with your life to serve God, to serve the church? Let me give you some suggestions. Let me give you some ideas. Maybe you're looking at your life and if you were to do an, a, a, a careful look of your typical week, is there any time outside of consuming, you know, sitting online uh, with us today or, uh, or reading a Bible study or, or watching another preacher or whatever, is there a time when you're not consuming but you're contributing because remember, we're not designed by God to be spiritual consumers, but to be spiritual contributors. So how are you contributing? How are you using all the things that God has loaned you, has, has used, that technically belong to him? How are you using those things for him? How are you contributing? Uh, let me give you some suggestions here at First Scottsdale. And guys, you could apply this to many churches, to nonprofits. There's always need for people to serve. And, and so let me give you some examples right here. Uh, if you're online with us, Maybe you're online all the time. Maybe you're online some of the time and you're here at our church some of the, the other times. Maybe you're kind of dividing your time back and forth depending on your scenario. Or maybe you're an online only with us and we're thankful that you're here. But how are you contributing? If you're an online only person, calling you to invest in the online ministry of First Scottsdale. 
maybe God's calling you to be a part of this online service, not just watching and listening, but interacting and, and helping us as a church to spread the news about the online service and to manage this online service. And if, if you're interested in knowing more, there are so many ways that we could use your help in, in working with this online service. There are many ways to serve here online. And so if that's you, if you're interested in knowing more, I want you to reach out to us this week. I want you to, to, to reach out and ask what you could do for our online service. But what if you're someone who also attends in person? Uh, there are several ministries that we're, we could use uh, service, that, that there are opportunities to serve here at First Scottsdale. For example, our welcome ministry. We always have uh, opportunities for people to serve in what we call our first impressions. You know, as, as you drive up on campus, there are usually uh, men and women that are at the different buildings that are here to welcome you and make you feel like you're, you're welcomed, that are here to guide you and help you to know where to go and how to get connected. And we are always looking. There are always opportunities to serve in that ministry. And so if you've got questions, reach out to us. Uh, our children's ministry, our teens ministry, we always have opportunities for you to hold babies or play with three or four-year-olds or to uh, help with our elementary students or our teenagers uh, in worship or in uh, or in uh, teaching a lesson or just being around uh, to, to bring energy into a room and to assist those that are leading in some way. And so if you love children or teenagers, reach out to us and we would love to connect you with a ministry that can do that. But again, there are so many ministries. I want you to think about what are you passionate about? What are you wired by God to do? And what are your gifts and talents and resources? And what do those three things say about where to serve him? Because God has wired you. He's given you a personality. He's given you gifts and talents and resources specifically for you to serve in one type of ministry or another. And so I want to take some time this morning and I want you to ask yourself, what is God asking me to contribute to his kingdom? Let's take a moment and let's go to the Lord in prayer. Almighty God, we thank you so much for this time where we can come here online and we can discuss your word. Uh, we can unpack what it means. But Lord, we recognize that if we're to live poor in spirit, that means that we're supposed to be living in humility. And that humility ultimately drives us to serve you. Lord, I pray that you would speak to each and every one of our hearts in understanding and knowing what it means to serve you and how you have uniquely made each and every one of us to serve you in a unique way. So Lord, first off, give us the desire to go and serve. Secondly, help us uh, to go and seek out the area that you've made us to serve. Help us to you know, not ignore this aspect of our faith. So Lord, we thank you for this opportunity and we pray that you would guide us 
and help us to understand how we are called by you and made by you to be a spiritual contributor. We thank you, Lord, and we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen.